Welcome to The Birth Debrief, a safe place where women and families are invited to share their stories of pregnancy, birth and postpartum journeys. The Birth Debrief centers experiences that may be difficult for others to hear. We are lifting the lid on topics that aren't often spoken about. Loss, infertility, discrimination, obstetric violence, birth trauma and so much more. If you are processing any trauma or pain from your parenting or birth experiences, please consider whether listening to these stories may be right for you at this moment in time. In today's episode, I interview Megan. Megan talks about her birth with her daughter in which she underwent an unexpected and unplanned cesarean section and how she hopes to have a home birth with her next child. We discuss how processing trauma is much like processing grief and how we can be kinder to ourselves when reflecting back on hard experiences. Megan shares so openly and transparently, and knowing how many of my listeners are healing from traumatic births themselves, I really hope this conversation can help others to process their own experiences. Well, thank you so much for coming on and having a chat with me today. I really appreciate anyone who is more than willing to put forward their stories and go to such a sensitive and vulnerable place with me and allow me to share it with other people as well. I think that these conversations are so important and I am sure that lots of people will get so much out of your story. So did you want to take a moment just to introduce yourself and tell us as much as you're comfortable with about yourself and your family? Sure. My name is Megan. And I have a three-year-old little girl and my husband, we all live up in Brisbane. Awesome. So can you tell me a little bit about your experience before you had your little girl? What was your knowledge, your exposure to pregnancy and birth? Did you have much insight into what it would be like or any expectations as to what it would be like? You know, I think I was the pretty typical, like, naive first-time mom who had no idea um, all the intricate details and um, pathways to navigate Um, when you become pregnant and have a child. I had the sort of, you know, typical Hollywood movie version of birth. but as a yoga and meditation teacher, I, I knew innately that there was something better than that. There was something different than that. Um, I just had to find it. Um, and so I, I went in thinking, no, it's not going to be that way. It's going to be amazing. You know, I did hyp- hypnobirthing and I had, um, I had some had a lot of expectation on what it should be. Um, so other than that, it was really like going in with, with nothing. Like I didn't know from experience, right? Like I'd never had a child. Um, and didn't know a lot about my mom's birth story. She, you know, back then in the eighties, it was very different, not super different, but it was different. Um, and, you know, she had had C-sections with my sister and I. And um, so, you know, that's all I knew. Like, that's okay. Well, and I just thought it's going to be fine. Like, we'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> it's really sad because it should, 
you should be able to go into birth with that mindset and have it actually be fine. You know, (laughs) it's not, it it shouldn't be a complicated thing. And if you feel at peace with it and you should be able to just go in and be like, it's going to be good, you know? Right. It's going to be like, no matter, and this is like a real tenant of hypnobirthing, like no matter what happens, you can face whatever turn your birth takes calmly and peacefully. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was something I was really attracted to and that, that concept and that idea. So that's, that's the pathway I tried to take. <laughs> okay. So was your pregnancy planned or unexpected? Um, it was semi-planned. We, <laughs> we'd, been to, <laughs> we'd been together for like seven years and we had just gotten married in um, the September of 2016. And, you know, went in, into our honeymoon, had Christmas, New Year's, and then I was going to visit my family back in the States where I'm from. And um, so like the night before I left, we were like, mm, why don't we just try? And that was it. Like, was it, <laughs> was it, we were expecting to try for like a good year, which I, I now realize I'm so incredibly lucky to the first go like so blessed to be able to do that it's hard because I I feel like a lot of new mums aren't prepared for the fact that it could well happen a lot faster than you might expect it to oh yeah um so many women I've spoken to and indeed definitely myself um go into it prepared to be six to twelve months and then Mm -hmm you know, a lot of women, it just happens a lot faster and you can be caught off guard a little bit. Oh yeah. (laughs) I definitely was. (laughs) So you were in the States when you found out then, or were you already back home? Oh yeah. It's kind of, it's funny, but kind of not at the time was not funny. Um, but now it's funny. I was in this little like shoddy hotel room, like trying to get on my flight and I had the flu and I, was like, you know, feeling the early symptoms of pregnancy and had to get on the flight with the flu and got off the flight in Sydney and um, started getting morning sickness. And I was in the midst of doing a teacher training, a yoga teacher training. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Very, it was a very rude introduction to motherhood. (laughs) (laughs) and now looking back I'm kind of like well I guess it did kind of prepare me a little bit but it was really intense like it was definitely one of the hardest parts was that first little bit of finding out I was pregnant but also very exciting you know yeah Um, definitely obviously we were over the moon and um but yeah I was just very shocked that it had happened in that way so um yeah, but it was we were still very excited and very happy. How was your pregnancy? Um overall fine. Like it wasn't we didn't have any like major issues um physically, but mentally I really suffered. Um I have a history of um anxiety disorder and I even with my meditation, even with my yoga, like it was such a different experience than I'd ever had in my life, um, being pregnant. Um, and, and I'm a very 
like active person. I, I love movement. I love, um, I just, I'm very like high energy and, um, I couldn't be that way. I really had to like get more into a feminine energy, more into this slowing down and, um, you know, gaining weight, like was really hard for me. I have you know hist- history of eating disorder and I, I, you know, put on 30 kilos. Like it was really mentally intense, obviously from the beginning, right? Like going, <laughs> getting on a plane and coming home and, and it just, from the beginning, the pregnancy was very intense mentally for me. Yeah. And I, I think that's another aspect that women aren't really prepared for. And it's quite often just brushed off. I remember when I was pregnant all three times, I would, I was, I was the same, quite heavily active. I'd be working out six, seven days a week and really watching what I was eating. And I was just proud of how my body looked and I was feeling strong and fit. And even though I wanted the pregnancies and we tried for the, for the babies, um, I struggled really hard mentally just to come to terms with the weight gain and the way my body was changing. And often I was just met with, well, you're pregnant, you wanted this. And I'm like, yeah, but (laughs) it doesn't make it any easier. It's a big, it's a huge, it's out of your control. Once, once you make that decision to have the baby, like the actual weight gain is not within your control. And I felt, um, yeah, I can really empathize with you on that. And health professionals would be like, don't do too much. Don't do this. You can't exercise anymore. You can't do that. And I really resented that. Mm -hmm. There's so much fear around pregnant women moving. Yeah. And I, I felt quite strongly that I, it was no longer like my body was no longer for me. I couldn't do the things that I wanted and I had just completely lost my identity. Mm -hmm. It's, it's such a tough place to be because and then you do get, like you said, you get a lot of feedback socially about the wrongness of feeling that way. Yeah. Like that it's wrong that I want to move and be active. Like I should just ca- crawl into a cocoon and like make the human. And I just, it was, yeah, I just don't think that's very fair. Yeah. And and that's just one other element that you need to deal with is mm-hmm. other people's opinions of you and you're made to feel as though you're being a bad mother by making those choices and continuing to exercise and and things like that. But for me, um, and I know for a lot of women, my mental health and my sanity was so closely linked to the amount that I exercised that if I didn't do that, the battle in my head was just so much worse. Yes, 100% empathize with that that's exactly yeah how it was for me as well and it's it's very very difficult um to go through that mental battle every day (laughs) yeah definitely so how did you kind of find a way around that did you just come to peace with it or did you continue to move in ways that felt good to you yeah I did continue to move throughout um the pregnancy primarily uh, I did like walking and I did s- some weights because I love feeling strong and I wanted to go in with a strong body for labor. Um, so I continued to do weights and yoga 
Um, and those were sort of my three go-tos. Like in the beginning, um, it, you know, I could still do a little bit, but I was pretty sick in the beginning and um, throughout most of the pregnancy. Like I was quite nauseous um, throughout most of the pregnancy. Yeah. <laughs> so I just like did what I could, you know, some days were a lot easier than others and I could go to the gym and do what I felt like was a full, you know, training session. And then other days, you know, I just couldn't do anything. So I did continue to, to stick with that because like you said, mental health wise, um, I needed to feel like, I was looking after me. Like I, even though, yes, I'm creating a life and I'm creating another human and that's what I chose. And that's what I'm um, happy that I chose. I still matter. And my body and my mind and my needs still matter. And I think um, there's such a huge perception around pregnant women that that doesn't, that, that that's not the case. And it carries through to, to the postpartum period as well. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. which is yeah it's it's such a big issue and you're almost made to feel um like shame is put on you for putting yourself first it's like the second you fall pregnant you come second yes okay so when did your when did your nausea ease up or did it carry through all the way <laughs> it was um really intense in the first trimester um second trimester i had probably a good like six weeks where I didn't have probably any oh yeah <laughs> like maybe eight weeks six to eight weeks oh god <laughs> and during this time like looking back I just like I laugh at myself because I said to my husband at the time when I you know second trimester you feel great generally and I said to him I was like I could be a surrogate like this is great <laughs> like, what was I thinking and then I got sick again and got bigger and <laughs> oh. like, yeah. So then I, I, the nausea in the third trimester wasn't quite as intense, but yeah. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. It was, still, <laughs> it was still there like 11 o'clock AM on the dot. I'm at work and I got to go. <laughs> oh, that sucks. <laughs> yes, it did. It really sucked. <laughs> did you find ways to manage it or you just kind of had to battle through it? Yeah, I battled through, um, Coffee tended to make it worse. Like, so I I did cut back on coffee a little bit, um, and that was kind of the only thing I could really do. Like any oh, and of course vegetables, which was like the bulk of my diet before I got pregnant. I couldn't eat. Like I literally, they made me so nauseous. Oh no! <laughs> I was like, all right, carbs it is. Like, let's do it. <laughs> So I, yeah, I did find a level of acceptance throughout the pregnancy. Um, and, you know, I had done so much work having had an eating disorder as, a, you know, early 20s and teenage years. I had done a lot of work on body acceptance on, and on feeding to nourish myself and, and not, you know, feeding myself to control something. Um, and so those tools really came in and, um, you know, like I stayed with um, a therapist throughout the pregnancy and, you know, they helped me to manage all of those emotions going on. Um, and yeah, just like the whole, the whole kind of pushing through that, that nausea and not, yeah, like accepting the fact that, you know what, this is what it is. And 
I can make it harder on myself by resisting or I can, you know, try to find a level of acceptance. So that's what I did. And it, it was different every day. You know, every day was a little easier or harder. Pregnancy and birth demands so much of you mentally and physically from day one, doesn't it? It's incredible. Yeah, it's really incredible what um, the process. But yeah, it's in, extremely intense as well. Well, for me, it was anyway. <laughs> so during your <clears throat> pregnancy, what mode of care did you decide to go with for your birth? And what were you doing looking forward to your birth? Um, I did a shared care model. I had, um, we were actually living in like the country in New South Wales at the time when I gave, when I was pregnant and giving birth. And I was really lucky and happy and grateful to find a GP who was also like OB trained. So he, yeah, so I was actually able to do my shared care with him and go through the public system and, like it was just super easy and he was he was wonderful this um this GP but of course going into the birth he wasn't there i couldn't you know like he actually popped in to say hi when i was laboring and and that's all i saw of him but having the continuation of care through pregnancy and he looked after me postnatally um and he was really wonderful so that's what i did but i also had um you know the midwives at the public hospital. Yeah. And that wasn't what I was expecting. You know, I thought, oh, it's going to be, you know, midwives, they're great, da, 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 which they were all great, but I didn't have the continuity of care, um, which looking, looking back, I realized for me was very important. Um, and I think it would have benefited me to have that continuity of care. Was your GP known to you before you fell pregnant or did you form that relationship uh, from pregnancy onwards? Just during pregnancy. Um, so a friend of mine had seen him for her pregnancy and she's, you know, really into birth and she's a prenatal yoga teacher and, and you know, that's her her jam is, is birth and, and pregnancy and she recommended him to me. Oh, awesome. Yeah. And that's so good that you had that, at least that one point of contact throughout yes. your pregnancy that you could really rely on. And it really does make such the difference. Oh, yeah. But you're right. It, it makes even more of a difference if you can have that same person at your mm. at your birth as well. Yes. Yes. I think that would have been really beneficial. So how did you find um, when you had to go into the hospital for your appointments with the midwives and and that side of the process? Yeah, I think it was a bit uncomfortable for me because I didn't know them. And every time you went in, it was a different person. And so that was, it just felt very, like it was very awkward. Like every time I had to go in and it was someone I didn't know and they're touching your body. And it's just like, it's very, it was very uncomfortable for me. Especially for for someone who has had issues with body image and suffering from anxiety and things like that as well. Like that can really amplify those feelings of insecurity and um, worrying about how other people are viewing you. Right, exactly. Yeah, so all that was kind of, that was triggered. I mean, not, not severely, but it was just, it just wasn't, 
what I think it could have been like had I had that continuity of care. Did you raise with your GP or the midwives about your anxiety? Was there transparency around that? Did they know that there were things that they needed to be wary of? Or Yes, I did. Um, I was transparent with my GP and the midwives um, about my history and um you know, just especially like the the body image stuff, like getting uh, your body changing to that magnitude. Um, it, it, it was very difficult for me. And so they were aware of it, but it I don't know if it just wasn't like they didn't want to go there because they didn't want it to be a thing or they just – didn't know how to care for for me. Right. Did you feel as though they f- felt that it it would have no bearing on your pregnancy and birth that the, the two weren't really linked and there was no correlation between them? That's very possible. Yeah. Mm. That's very possible. Did you feel nervous about the birth as your pregnancy went on or you were still you were still quite quite happy and and just feeling like things were going to work out as they were going to be yeah I felt um I felt really really good after doing the hypnobirthing program um I felt super confident and um like I I could do this you know like it's going to be okay um I think there were still some really deep-seated fears lingering that I just wasn't conscious of um and those ten those really came out um you know sort of after the birth and I reflecting back on the experience and I realized wow I was still holding I was still holding a lot of fear um particularly around having a c-section which I ended up with an emergency c-section And yeah, and I went in thinking, I just don't want a C-section. I can't have a C, you know, like I was really intently like, I don't want to have a a C-section rather than looking at it as like, you know what, if it happens, it's all going to be okay anyway, Um, which is that's what hypnobirthing teaches you. And and so I just, I just didn't get there. You know, I just didn't. I don't know if I wasn't ready to kind of process that or what, but yeah, it came out sort of later. Yeah. So I guess we should jump into your birth. How far along were you when you started to feel the first twinges of birth and how, how did that go? We'll just jump into your birth story. I think I, I can't remember the exact days, but I think I was like 40 and three. Yeah. 40 weeks and three days. Um, and it was in, you know, the early morning, probably like 4am. Um, and I, you know, started to feel a bit of a twinge. And I think the day before I had had, you know, a few like sort of, it's almost like a period cramping, you know, like Braxton Hicks type sensation. And so late, like early in that morning, my muse, my had a show, my mucus plug came out. Um, and once that happened, I, kind of started to freak out a little bit (laughs) and I was like okay this is for real like there's no turning back kind of thing I got to go through with this now um and so I think I went back to bed and then later on that morning we ended up 
going to the hospital. I think it was like 7 or 8 a.m. Oh, you know what? I've forgotten. Prior to the mucus plug coming out, when I was just having like sort of early labor, we went to the hospital. It was like 2 a.m. And we went to the hospital because oh. <laughs> I was just that, like, I was really scared. I was just scared. You know, my mom's on the other side of the world. I don't have anyone except my partner in this like teeny tiny country town. Like I had a lot going on emotionally. Yeah. Yeah. And how did you find when you went in that early? They, you know, the, the midwives were, you know, pretty calm and, and they were very helpful and they were just like, look, you know. They, they monitored me and they checked the heart rate and on, on all of that. And then they sent me home. They were like, look, just, you know, you're not having really um, severe close together contractions or anything. So they sent me home and um, then at the, the show came around 4 a.m. And we went back in around 7. Um, and then at that stage, they admitted me because I'd had, had a show. Did you know how far along did they do a vaginal exam? Do you know how dilated you were at that point? Yes. And this was one of the points in my story that um, it's a point of contention because they checked me. Um, I don't remember if they asked for consent. Um, I feel like they probably were just like, yep, so we're going to do this. Um, And they definitely did not ask me if I wanted to know the the dilation, um, which I did not want to know. So they came out and they were like, yep, you're eight centimeters. And I'm like, okay, that's amazing. Uh- <laughs> yeah. But also if you're already a bit scared, that can be like, oh, it's happening and it's happening like soon. <laughs> yeah. Well, I didn't want to know. I didn't yeah. know. Did you have a birth plan that you had communicated with with the hospital at all? Yes. Uh, was that in your birth plan? Yes. Oh God. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's an issue. Um, and and I think that really it really upset me. And later down the line during the labor, my husband actually had to like stand up to them and just be like, "You need to just stop telling her the dilation. Like, just stop telling her the dilation because." After my waters broke, it went back down to five. Oh, my God. And they were just continuing to tell you? Yeah. Yeah. They just continued to tell me. Um, and so at that point, when it went back down, down to five, I, I had been laboring really beautifully, like hypnobirthing techniques, awesome. Like I was in the zone. And then after that, I think it was like the second or third time they told me and I had gone back to five and I just, I fully deflated, like fully <laughs> I lost the plot and I just like, I remember being in the shower and I, I just broke down and I'm sobbing. Like I was so devastated because it had been a lot, like we had been laboring already for probably, I mean, not a long, long time, but like 10 hours. And to be told that you're so far along and then to just Mm -hmm. drop back down, like that's a heavy fall. Yes. It was a big, big fall. So I think at that point I really started to, to crumble and I, I didn't have the support system that I needed in place um, to, to pull me back up from that. Oh, between the time that you went to hospital the second time and went from eight centimeters back to five centimeters, how many vaginal, vaginal exams had you had during that time period? Do you know? I think it was probably, I think it was only maybe two or three. 
Okay. During that yeah. time. Yeah. Did they say that your cervix was swollen at all or? No, they just told me, yeah, if, how far the dilation was. Yeah. Mm. Oh, that yeah. must have been really hard. Yeah. Yeah. It was, I feel like that was a real like breaking point for me in the labor journey. Um, cause I felt like I was really proud of myself up to that point. And I was like, yeah, I'm kicking ass. Like, this is awesome. Yeah. And, um, I just, I crumbled under it. And, and, um, around that same time, they, um, had recommended that I be put on a drip on synthetic oxytocin, the syntocin, um, because they said that she was distressed and, I don't know, blah, blah, blah. That's so silly. Why would they, why would they ramp up your contractions if she was in distress? I have, I have no idea. Like my husband did the whole, like, um, you know, like I was so out of it at that point, but he did the whole, um, what is that acronym where you ask, like, what if we do nothing? What if we do, you know, they teach you in the antenatal class and he did that whole thing. and, And they essentially told him that, um, if they did the syntocinin, it would, we, they're hoping it would get her out quicker, um, so that I wouldn't end up needing a C-section or something along those lines. Like at this point, because she's distressed, I may end up needing a C-section because she's distressed. So were you on continuous monitoring? I was able to move around, um, and they would check the heart rate. And I think I, I did end up on the bed, but I was still able to like get on my all fours and that kind of thing. Like I refused to be on my back. I was like, no, there's no way I'm getting on my back. Um, so I was able to get like on all fours on the bed. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they did monitor her pretty continuously. So when, uh, do you recall them mentioning C-section while you were laboring or was that just to your husband? Just to him. Yeah. Mm, yeah. That's nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, that was one plus. <laughs> they, he was like the bouncer, right? Like, um, I didn't Everyone have a needs a birth bouncer. <laughs> yes. A hundred percent. Oh my God. Get yourself like five birth bouncers. I'm telling you what. <laughs> <laughs> a whole security team. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> so no, they just said it to him and he, it didn't even say that to me initially. Like he was trying to not say that to me because he knew, yeah, he knew it was something I was, I was concerned about. Um, so yeah, that, that, yeah. I mean, I think he ended up having to tell me anyway, like, cause I asked, like I asked questions like, why, why, what does that mean? And so he did end up having to tell me like, look, this is your best chance of having a vaginal birth. Um, so that's why I decided to do it. Yeah. So how was that? How did things go after they um, attached you to the drip? Oh, my God. <laughs> have, you, have you ever had some toasted in? Um, no, I have. I have been induced, um, but it was with the tablet that they put. I yeah. think it was a tablet that they put up against your cervix. And I only – this was with the baby that I birthed at 20 weeks and he was stillborn. I only had to – dilate to three centimeters okay and I was in my mind I didn't want to voice it to anyone but in my mind I was thinking I'm going to do this with no drugs because it's the least I can do my baby's like dying it's the least I can do I just wanted to be a martyr and like I'm like Mm. I can I can take this you know yeah yeah yeah. so 
And one of the midwives came in at one point and she was like, you know, there's no risk to your baby. So you can have whatever pain relief you like. And I was like, okay, thanks for the fucking reminder um, <laughs> that you don't care about my baby's life because it's likely to going to come out dead anyway. Right. Um, but I remember I only had to get to three centimeters and the pain was way worse than having to get to 10 centimeters with my first child. It was oh excruciating. God. So yeah. I, I put that down to the induction process and my body being forced to contract mm-hmm. when it wasn't meant to be at that stage. So I, I feel like I know what it might feel like, but I know Syntocinon would be so much worse than what I went through. Mm. Well, I mean, it sounds on par, like, I, I mean, the initial stage, and I even got into active labor without any, anything, anything, any at all. And when the syntocinin came in, it, it was literally, I felt like I was dying. Like Ugh. it was excruciating. And I just got to the point, like I, I said to my husband, I asked my mother-in-law to come in because I was like, I need someone who knows what the fuck this feels like because <laughs> these men, like the midwives were just super, oh God, I don't know if they were just like jaded or what, but they were just not there for me. And, you know, my husband, God bless him, did his best. <laughs> and so I was like, I need my mother-in-law. And then my mother-in-law, she had never had syntocinin. So she, you know, afterwards she said to me, she's like, you just didn't get a break. She's like, you just were nonstop contraction. She's like, I just couldn't even believe like, and obviously in the moment she's sitting there holding my hand, you have the best care. It's all okay. You know, (laughs) but it was, I couldn't believe it. Like I, and I've, I haven't had a vaginal birth, but I, I anticipate that the syntocin is way worse than than that. <laughs> yeah, the and the contractions are way worse than way they're way more painful than the actual feeling of pushing your baby out with yes. a vaginal birth. Yes. But it just uh, when you think about it now outside of your experience when you're putting something inside your body forcing your body to contract even though your body is already contracting. Mm-hmm. Of course that's going to be so painful but I don't I've never heard one midwife mention what the pain might feel like to women who are in labor not once have I heard them say look it's going it's going to be more intense or mm-hmm. you know or you know we can turn it down if you're feeling it too much or I've not once have I heard that discussion be held no. with women in that stage and then it hits you like a truck and you're completely unprepared mm-hmm. yes 100 percent. and oh. I would say that I haven't heard that conversation happening either um and I, I was reading up on, I can't remember her name, Sarah Buckley or one of, she's a really well-known um, doctor and she's, I think a midwife or, I don't know. She has a lot of birth experience and she's um, very, very evidence-based. Um, yeah. And she talks about the effects of syntocinin, um on, on the fact that because you're putting synthetic syntocin, syntocinin in the body, the, the woman's brain can't actually produce as much oxytocin, which is the pain reliever. And so you can't actually get the pain relief that natural oxytocin provides. So it just, you know, it just throws your whole system off. And there's no conversation around that. There's no, oh, no, syntocinin has no risks. Well, that may not be a life-threatening risk, but it is still a real risk. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Where was your mind at at this stage? Did you manage to get things under control or were you just kind of completely losing it? Um, I ended up doing gas for a little bit because, um, you know, I had pretty much been up since like two o'clock and not slept and I was really getting tired at this stage. Um, you know, I'd been on all fours on the bed for hours and hours and, you know, <clears throat> you don't really think about food or water or anything. So, um, no, no energy left. And, um, I can't remember if I asked or my husband maybe suggested, I, I might've asked about having gas. So I did the gas for a little bit, um, which did give me somewhat of a rest. Like I was able to lie on my side for a bit and just like let my physical body have a break. Um, and that was helpful. Um, but at the same time I got really nauseous and so I was vomiting from the gas. And, um, so it started to get like, it started to get really scary. Um, and I, I just felt like, you know, getting to that point where, I just don't think I can do this. I just, you know, like I actually screamed. I was like, just cut it, cut it out of me, cut it out of me. I was just like, I can't, I just can't. Um, and she started, her heart rate started to drop as well. Um, so like before I actually even said that they were discussing, um, doing a C-section. Um, so they were already like, okay, the baby's distressed. Now the mother's getting distressed. Um, and so that's when we started to discuss the, the possibilities of that. And um, they, we got to the point where like her heart rate was almost not there. And at that point, the OB who was on, um, on staff, she was the one, my OB at that point. I'd never met her, but she was there for me. Um, and she was, she's like, no, she brought another OB in and they were talking and she was like, no, I'm making the call. We're getting her in there now. Um, so they did feel like it was an emergency situation where they didn't know if the, if, you know, the baby would, would come out alive. Um, and so they made, she made the call and, you know, we did the paperwork, um, which was horrendous. Like, <laughs> I can't believe like I'm sitting there in absolute agony and then this like poor little anesthetist who I think he was I don't know 25 and he comes up to this screaming woman like asking her to sign this document that I have no idea what the fuck it says like what a joke and it's just ridiculous yeah fucking joke I was shocked like afterwards looking back I could not believe that they had me do that and my mother-in-law was there at that point and she asked him she's like can't Craig do like my husband she's like can't he do it and they were like nope nope she's got to do it and I'm like in the midst of syntocin and contractions and I had to just scribble something on the page they hadn't turned the syntocin and off once the C-section was decided or did this all happen very quickly? It was very, very quick. Right. Very, very quick. So whether or not they turned it off and it was still in my body or what, I'm not quite sure. Yeah. Was the conversation raised around possibly turning the syntocin on off for a little bit and seeing whether Bub's heart rate would recover? Not that I'm aware of, no. Not that I'm aware of. Mm-mm. 
I've been in a C-section before where um, mum got to fully dilated and she was told, the midwife came in and said to her, um, she said, okay, you're fully dilated, so if you feel like pushing, just give a little push. And she had had an epidural she, so she couldn't feel anything and then the midwife left the room and didn't come back for an hour. Oh. And the mum was like, I, I can't feel, like when do I push, oh you know, God. what's going on? And then an hour she came back in and she said, well, you've been pushing for an hour so nothing's happening. I think that we might need to have a chat about a C-section. Then straight straight away as soon as she said that, the anaesthetist and the um, surgeon walked in and they were like, here are the forms, blah, 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 and I just – I was just photographing this birth and it was one of the first births I'd photographed. Oh my god. And I just stood I know I knew the couple and I stood in front of them and I said, Can they can they have a minute like to think about it and to yeah. process it? Mm. Like, dude, does it does she need to sign these forms right now? Like, can she think about it? And they were like, Oh yeah, okay, no worries and left. And it was like it just had not even occurred to them that maybe there might you know, the family might want a bit of time just to mentally get their heads around it. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's shocking. It's shocking. I, I just, there's this like level of, um, I, I guess cause they do it every day and it's routine and it's, it's policy and it's, it's a system and it's, I think it's very often forgotten that mm. these are people birthing, birthing people and I just get so overlooked. Like we're human. We, you know, it really gets overlooked. Oh, that's <laughs> terrible. I mean, but it's, you know, like you said, it's not, it happens every day. I don't think it's that uncommon that that's how the discussion of C-section comes up, you know? Mm-hmm. It's, I think it's, it's definitely the norm I would say rather than the exception so what happened at that point? How was your anxiety going at that stage when these conversations were taking place? You know, at this point, whereas, you know, previously I was so like, I do not want a C-section. I do not want it. Um, but because I was in such agony uh, and they were saying, you know, she's distressed and I, you know, of course, <laughs> freaking out because I don't want her, anything to happen to her. That's my priority. Um, and so I was just like, no, like, let's just do it. So at that point, like I was, I was on board. I was like, yep, I'm done. We're getting her out. Um, because I just, I cannot anymore. And I, I need her to be okay. Like I was so scared of something happening to her. Like I was just like every mother, right? Like it's to, to question the fact that a mother's priority is anything else, but the wellness of her and her child, um, is absurd. So yeah, I was just ready. And so I was really on board and I was like, yep, let's just do it. Um, so the OB at this point, like my husband and I'm don't know really what's going on, but my husband had actually been very impressed with her at this point because, um, he said, you know, she was very like adamant about getting me in there. I think cause she was, she was very concerned about my daughter as well um, and, and me and, and just making sure that we were both okay. Whether she jumped the gun, I don't know. Whether we, turned, like you said, turned off the syntocinin and it would have been a different outcome, I don't know. I think there's a lot of – there's so many pathways that you can take 
at every turn with birth that it's so um, like I've spent so much time looking back and thinking, what could I have done differently? Like, what did I do wrong? Like blaming myself. Um, and I, I finally gotten to a place where I'm like, you know what? I did the best I could with the knowledge that I had. Um, and, and what I felt like was best in the moment for my daughter and I, um, so then they wheeled me into theater. Like they hadn't even gotten the, the previous patient off the table and they had gotten me to the door. They were like, let's get, we need to get her in now. Okay. Um, and the OB like actually said, I said, I think I need to push. And at this time, point I'm on my back and I said, I think I need to push. Um, and so the, the OB actually was like, okay, let's see. And so she had a look and I tried to push and she was just like, no, we got to go in. So what, what had actually happened and what it looked like, I have no idea, but, um, she was adamant about getting me in to theater. Have you gotten your birth notes or anything like that to know what the assessment was at that stage or? I asked when I was in hospital, um, And I was, you know, they had given me a lot of like painkillers. And, and so I think it's really hard to remember exactly what was said, but from what I remember, it was essentially (laughs) she, the baby was distressed and we had to get her out. Like that was kind of it. So, I mean, I think I would be interested to read those birth notes now and find out, you know, and have a different have a different perspective on it now and read it and see what had, what had happened. Um, but yeah, they were, they were just concerned about her heart rate had dropped really, really low. Um, and it wasn't really coming up. So that, that was why they were like, okay, let's just do the C-section. Um, so whether there's some other, you know, choices that could have been made, I'm sure there are, (laughs) but that, yeah, that was the call that was made. Um, yeah, it's hard looking back in retrospect at, at at situations like this because you know obviously whether having that information now isn't going to change anything for exactly. that situation. So you've got to be in a right in the right place mentally to be able to absorb that and not let it affect you and your experience, mm. and not feel guilt about it because there's no point, you know. Yeah, absolutely. So you got into theatre? Yes. Um, and this was actually one of the, one of the, one of the things I was grateful for. Um, when I went in, there was this beautiful man who was like, I don't know if he was a part of the anesthetist team or what. He was like there to, to help me essentially. And he was just this older man. Like he was quite tall and burly and he was just like, give me a massive hug. Like, and he just was like, cut, like big cuddle, big cuddle, big cuddle. Like he was so kind and so, um, I'm just, um, I'm getting emotional for a moment. <laughs> he was, um, he really helped me to stay in it. And he really helped me to have the epidural, like I didn't even think about what was going on. Like he just kept me present and he kept talking about, you know, the, you're going to meet your baby soon. And, um, he was just beautiful. And aside from 
him. Like, I feel like there was no one else in my experience that was like that. There was no one else aside from him and my husband, right? Like, he was sort of the first point where I had been like, oh my God, someone's here to like help me do this. And hold you and just cut through the clinical feeling like and make it a more human experience. Exactly. And one simple act, like a hug. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Everyone has the capacity to do that, you know? (laughs) 100%. Um, And and I, I don't know if it's like a personality thing, like people that go into the medical field, like they're they're, they're just that way. Like they're, you know, logical and they cut people's bodies. Like that's what they do for a living. It's like, I don't, I don't know what it is. Um, but yeah, to have that experience, like that kind of empathy and compassion and care, like someone was caring for me. Um, it was just like, it was incredible feeling. Um, in the midst of all of of the trauma of of going through that experience oh I'm so glad he was there for you yeah yeah um it it was a, a huge help and from that point um I felt relief and you know the epidural went in um and that was like I, I just I can't explain the relief that I felt from the epidural as much as I did not want uh, any drugs I did not want any anything I was like yep vaginal no drugs like that's the way but it just it didn't it it didn't go that way for me at at that birth Um, well that that's the thing like you you didn't want any of those in the picture of birth that you had painted for yourself but when things change and they go outside the parameters of what you thought your birth was going to look like and what you wanted your birth to look like, of course your choices then around your options change. And so many women feel guilty for almost going back on what they had promised themselves that they wouldn't do. But when your experience shifts from column A to column B, then so do your choices need to shift in alignment, you know? Mm. So of course you were relieved, you know, you had been contracting left, right and center on top of each other for however many hours and not, not to mention the emotional trauma and roller coaster ride that you had been on, been on. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. (sighs) (laughs) so you felt you felt some relief after the epidural how how were were you aware of who was in the room and what 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 they were there for was were things being explained to you like I've I've been in theater but I've not been Mm. the one on on the table so I'm not I just I hate saying on the table because it's like you're a piece of meat I know it does yeah (laughs) it just makes me feel icky every time yes And, and it does feel that way too like you know I, it was just, it was insane. It, it, it was insane. Um, I think going into that, not expecting it, you know, and you're like, okay, this is what's happening. Like we're here now. The, this is either sticking a needle in my back. Like this is what's happening now. And you're also like, I'd had the gas and I'd had like, so you have drugs in your system. Like it's all very disorienting. Um, and so after they got the epidural in, 
um, you know, they laid me back and, um, they actually, it was so quick. Um, they got her out so quick. Um, like I actually was like asking, um, you know, is it over? Like, is she, you know, cause I was just laying back and my husband was there with me. And I think there was, um, the, the gentleman that was there as well. Um, and they're like, Oh, it's over. I'm like, okay, (laughs) where's my child? Like, (laughs) but they, um, you know, they did a cord strip. Like I wanted delayed cord clamping. Um, and they, they did a cord strip because of the timing. They were concerned, blah, 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 policy, yada, yada, Mm. bullshit. Um, (laughs) (laughs) okay. Bullshit. (laughs) Bullshit. Um, and so they cut my husband cut the cord and then they put her on my chest for skin to skin. Um, so I was super grateful that I did get skin to skin quickly. Like it wasn't as fast as I would have liked. Um, but we did end up getting skin to skin straight away. Um, they wheeled me into recovery and we had about an hour in recovery, just the three of us with a midwife who was monitoring us and just making sure everything was okay. Um, and yeah, then we went into the actual, like my actual room after that and we were able to breastfeed, um, in the recovery room, which was amazing. Cause <clears throat> you know, I think it's statistically, it's, it's more difficult for babies to breastfeed, um, if you've had a C-section. So I was, I was just ecstatic. I was so ecstatic. She just immediately was like, yep, where's, where's the boob? Like on there. Oh God, it was, it was the, it was the, I don't know what word to use, but it was like the, the, one of the most beautiful things out of that trauma was that she could do that, you know, like she could latch on and, and we, we were bonded immediately, um, which I just, I can't even explain in words how grateful I am for that. It's like your your little silver lining. Yes, I think I think, the, <laughs> I think it's so common for women who go in for an unexpected C-section is that they start to feel like their entire birth plan goes out the window and that um, that all is lost. But mm. you know there are there are still things that you can control and there are still things and it doesn't mean it definitely doesn't mean that you you know, won't be able to breastfeed. But I feel like um, in that headspace, a lot of women just think, oh, well, my ideal birth is completely lost. So then when little things like that do happen and they're like, oh, I can breastfeed, like this is amazing, you know? Right, right. It's, I mean, it was just like, yeah, huge uh, benefit of, wow, okay, this, this is, this is something I really wanted. And I, you know, she and I are getting this, like it really helped that that was quite healing. Yeah. And it's almost as though you're, you're doing it in spite of everything that you've been through. You're kind of like, okay, we've got this, like, this is a win for us. Yes. hundred percent. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So how did you feel from that point onwards? Um, while, while you were still in the hospital, how was your stay in your immediate postpartum period? Um, it was pretty rough. <laughs> If I'm honest, like the midwives were, were good and they were attentive. Um, but the, uh, the setup, I was really surprised, um, about like, I mean, I knew going into it, 
yeah, we'll share, like, you know, you share a room with someone else in the, in this particular hospital public system, you share, you know, you share a room. Um, but there was also an alarm right above our door. So, you know how you have like a little buzzer <laughs> right by your bed if you need a midwife. So anytime anyone in the maternity ward needed a midwife they'd press the button and the buzzer would go off oh, into your room oh no into our room like right above our door oh. so you know you're trying to like cope with a trauma a you know abdominal surgery mm. a new human b breastfeeding c like list goes on and on and on um you know and there's another mother next door to you doing the same thing like it was very very chaotic um and you know to to try to rest or have any sense of like recovery was you know quite elusive so it wasn't really until I got home that I felt like I could begin to recover so I was only in hospital for probably three days though okay yeah three or four days and your, did you get breastfeeding support? Did you have anyone come and debrief with you about the unexpected C-section or what was the support like in the hospital? Yeah, I did have um, one of the OBs that I had seen throughout my pregnancy, only like once or twice she was at the hospital. Um, so she did come in and debrief with me and she was quite lovely. I really liked this OB and she debriefed with me about the C-section Um but I just think at that point, like, I, I just couldn't even begin to process what was what had happened. Um, I was so in, you know, mama bear mode, like looking after this little, this tiny human. And um, you can't, you can't process it while you're still in it. That's right. Exactly. Um, so, you know, I think hospital for some, some women is probably great. Um and initially, I thought I was one of those women. And now after um, going through this birth, I just think I just can't go back. Like, I just can't do it there again. I've got to do it at home or at least try to do it at home because um, it's a traumatic place for me now. Whereas before, I felt like it was a safety net. Um, so, yeah, like being in that environment, I couldn't really – um, I couldn't really relax. I couldn't really rest until I yeah. got home. Yeah. What is it that, um, when you think about going back to birth a baby, what is it that puts you off or that makes you scared about doing that? Um, like doing it in general or doing it in the hospital? In, in the hospital, sorry. Oh, that's okay. Um, I think it's just the systems in place that I, because I don't know the ins and outs of the system. Um, I don't know the protocols and I don't know, um, the calls that are going to be made. Like that really frightens me because there's a lot of coercion that happens. There's manipulation that happens because of those policies. And I, I'm afraid that that's going to happen to me again. Like I'm afraid I'm going to be, um, guided into something that I don't necessarily need or, you know, like, I don't feel like I needed this intocinin. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess also next time you're not only, you're not just battling the system, but there's another aspect of it for you is that you're going for a VBAC. 
Exactly. <laughs> yeah, which adds another element of complication to it. Yes, yes, 100%. How did you feel once you got home and you were in the comfort of your own home? Did did um, did things get easier or, or harder for you at that stage? They, they got easier initially. Um, we had a really beautiful um, sort of newborn phase, you know, the first like week was really sweet and um I I I found recovery quite hard but I was really I was just so focused on you know making sure I can breastfeed and you know making sure that um you know she's okay and and the whole like SIDS thing I like my OCD anxiety really flared um after probably a few days of being home it really flared but the first few days were really sweet and then it my my anxiety started to kick in um so yeah so just really um kind of getting distracted by all of these things trying to control these things right um but I mean aside from that it it was a it was a nice time like you know my husband was home and he was able to look after me and um you know my mom came after a couple weeks of being home and um, you know, so it was really nice having her there. Um, yeah, definitely a bit of support. So I wanted to ask at what point in your postpartum did you start to reflect back on your birth and start to feel the effects of the trauma from your experience and the loss of your ideal birth? Probably. Oh, it's hard to say. I think the, like being conscious of how traumatic it was didn't really happen for a few months, but like initially there was um, that OCD and anxiety that had come back in. So I think that was, that was me trying to cope uh, with the trauma, but I didn't know that that's what was happening um, probably until a few months later. And then I started to, you know, to realize, okay, there's something going on. Um, and I, you know, was, I spoke to a GP about it and, um, we just, you know, kind of, I went on medication at that point and to try to help, you know, stabilize me. And, um, but it's been a good, it, it took a good, like two and a half, two to two and a half years for me to feel like I'm okay, just to process all of it. Um, because what had happened with me is I kind of, I took people in the situation like family members and I, I kind of pointed my finger outward and sort of blamed people around me for it not going the way that I wanted it to go. Like, like, but really I was angry with everything right I was angry with myself I was angry with just the fact that it went that way it wasn't actually anyone's fault um and and I do I did still blame myself for it going that way um but I I just think it's just trauma is such a funny thing like it it's like grief right it kind of comes in waves where you experience it and it shows up in different ways and it I can relate to that and it's it's the most random and smallest of things that will set you off oh yeah oh yeah big time 
And then you're kind of like, well, what's actually happening? And then you're like, oh, okay, this is the deeper root. And it's like, I found an incredible um, psychologist that has helped me over the last um, year or so. Um, and, and just working with, with them has brought so much healing for me um, in, in a deeper, in a deeper way of, you know, my perfectionism and, um, in feeling like just being more self-compassionate, compassionate with the fact that like, I did do the best I could at that moment in time with the knowledge that I had. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. But it's a huge process. <laughs> oh, definitely. Definitely. And it's almost a lifelong process, you know, like, yeah you may never look back on, on her birth and be happy about it. And I think on some level that's okay, Mm. but you can look back on it and not feel guilty about it. And I think that that's really key Mm. because then you can, you can look back on it and just think, well, it is what it is, what happened happened. And that's that, you know, but you don't have to, I think there's such pressure for us to look back on our births with feelings of joy and happiness. And for some women that Mm. just isn't possible Yeah, and that's okay. And striving to feel that way about a birth that you were ultimately not happy with is really, it's impossible, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's really nice to hear someone say that because my my daughter just turned three this week (laughs) and the first part of the day I'm kind of like yeah this is so exciting she's three and then like towards the end of the day I just started to feel this this grief you know and it's such a hard thing because you're like, it's my daughter's birthday and, and all the shoulds, right? Like, I should be happy. I should be blah, blah, blah. And like, I was. And you know what? I also had a traumatic experience on this day. And I, I let myself honor that. I let myself feel that because it's not fair to put that expectation on myself of like, I just just, you know, it's like someone it's like someone saying to me, "Well, you have a healthy baby." Uh, Isn't that the fucking worst? Like, oh my god. <laughs> well, of course I'm happy that I have a healthy baby, but it doesn't completely negate everything else that I've been through to bring this healthy baby into the world. Yeah, absolutely. It's exactly right, and I think just talking having this conversation is why I think this podcast is so important. Having these conversations is so important because that's the way we change the narrative. Like that's how we change the way we think the consciousness of, of birth and and how it happens. And the fact that postpartum trauma is huge. It's a regular occurrence and it does not need to be, you can have a C-section and not be traumatized by it. Yes. Yes. I'm so glad. I'm so glad you said that. (gasps) And I say this all the time, you know, and C-section is the, the, the right mode of birth or method yes. of birth is the right choice yes. for some women, you know? Yes. But, and just because you're telling your story and looking back on your C-section with negative feelings doesn't mean that you think that everyone who's had a C-section needs to look at their birth that way. Oh my God. No, not even a little bit. Like my sister, her second baby was a planned C-section you know, good on her. Like she, a woman has every right to make the decision 
that she needs to make for her body and life and her baby and her family. Like that's her prerogative. It's nobody else's. And just because someone chooses that, that's not a wrong decision. Um, My trauma came from not having a support system that supported me. Like it didn't, (laughs) it didn't lift me up. And, and, you know, that I just didn't know. I didn't know. I just didn't know. And so many, so many people don't. So, and I went into my first birth with exactly Mm. the same mindset. Um, And I think that's quite the norm, to be honest, especially for first babies. Yeah. So looking forward to the possibility of you having more children, how does your past experience inform your future experiences? How do you feel about that and how are you going to go about that and process everything? Mm. I've started processing that experience, like what I um, what we're, what we'll, what we'll do, uh, probably a few months ago, um, we have decided that we want to start trying, but it was only up until two or three months ago that I feel like I could actually make that choice. Um, and I am exploring a lot more options now. You know, I've, I never considered home birth within, with my first child. I never considered it. I was like, nope, I, I need medical assistance. Like (laughs) I need the doctors. Like I just, that's how I thought. And now that I've, I've learned so much more through the process and, and just, you know, gradually educating myself more about the physiological process of birth, like how incredible our bodies are and building more trust within my body. Um, I would like to try for, a home birth feedback, but I also have it in the back of my mind to have, like, I want a private midwife who's linked to a hospital just in case because I've had a C-section before. Um, and I think, you know, that feels good for me right now. Yeah. And if that's, and if making that choice makes you feel safe, then that's the right, that's the right choice for you. Yes. Yes, exactly. It's, it's that feeling, like you said, of safety, of feeling contained of you know and held in the birth space that uh, I I am actively participating in now in creating that um which I just didn't yeah I just didn't know I thought no do a couple classes I'll be good (laughs) (laughs) you know yeah (laughs) the the beautiful naivety of of a first-time mom it's you know for me that's who I was anyway not everyone's that way I think on some level it it is that easy when you are going in to have a physiological birth, but when you're birthing inside the system, it's not – even if you do have a quote-unquote physiological birth, it's not a true physiological birth because all of the your surroundings and everything around you affects the natural process, you know, unless you're birthing at home where you're most comfortable and you're, you're feeling safe and supported, you know, all of those other things, the bright lights, the people coming and going, just the option to have pain relief and to have those interventions there can affect the physiological process of birth. Yeah. Yeah. I I find it, I find it absolutely fascinating that 
some women can go in to have a to have a c-section or have an unexpected c-section and they either come out of it more feeling more indebted to the hospital system and then there's a percentage of women who come out of it going no like even though my baby was born in the medical system you know via an instrumental birth with c-section I am going to completely leave all of that behind and go and birth yeah. at home. Mm-hmm. You know, you either come out of it feeling like you need the hospital or you don't need them. And I find it yeah. so fascinating that, you know, what informs that decision for women is how they're treated in the moments before they have that C-section. Mm-hmm. And if you sustain trauma from having the C-section, then the chances are you are more likely to want to do it differently next time and not feel like you needed that to happen to birth your baby. Yeah. How did you, how did you feel postpartum telling, telling your friends and family and and just in a social aspect about your birth story? How did that feel for you? Because I know that there is a lot of shame for Mm -hmm. women who go in to have a beautiful, calm birth, a vaginal birth, and then come out of it with a C-section. Was that, was that hard for you to deal with or? Yes, it was. Uh, and I wouldn't say so much um, with my family per se, but I would say with friends and as a yoga teacher, you know, the general, you know, people that I, I know in the, in the community, um, it, it's, it was a lot harder for me to talk about it then. Um, cause you do have this, that people kind of look at you as like, Oh, well, you're a yoga teacher. Aren't you supposed to be healthy? Like, mm. <laughs> aren't you supposed to be able to have a natural drug free birth? If only it were that easy. <laughs> if only it were that easy. Yeah. And you know, you know, she was um, almost 10 pounds. She was 4.8 kilos. Wow, big <laughs> girl. I'm 5'1". <laughs> wow. Were you shocked? <laughs> yes, I was completely shocked. Well, hubby's 6'3", so not totally shocked. But I was. I was like, what's happening? So, you know, that did make – it made it a bit – more palatable but at the same time like there's plenty of women who birth big babies vaginally it's not a thing yeah you know did you feel the need to explain it away like oh I had a c-section but you know her heart rate was dropping and it was necessary or were you kind of conscious of the fact that no this isn't what I wanted and were you honest about that with with the people in your life yeah, I mean, it depended on who I was speaking to, like my close friend, you know, I was obviously like, I would, I would be honest with them and say how difficult it's been for me to, to process the, the, the loss of my ideal birth. And, um, cause I, I hung on to it so tightly. I clung, I clung to it of, and it's the perfectionism in me that, that pushes me towards that. And it it, like, it has to be a certain way for us to be, you know, good enough or something. And, you know, I know that now, like I've worked through a lot of that, that it's, that's complete and utter shit. 
<laughs> and <laughs> it's just my, you know, it's that inner critic um, that says that stuff and it, it's not actually true. Um, so depending on who I was speaking to, I would, you know, share more or less um, about how it's been. It's a vulnerable place to go to, especially when you're still processing it yourself, you know, years later, you're still, still going through it. It's, it's natural that we would feel that way, but it's so disappointing that women are made to feel like they can't just be, they, they can't be honest and open and truthful. And it's almost like, you don't want people to pity you by saying, Oh, I didn't get the birth that I wanted. Right. Right. Yeah, and you don't want to complain or, you know. Seem ungrateful. Yeah, yeah, but I think it's very important to find the people that you can talk about it with because, um, like, it, you just have to for, for your wellness and for your family's wellness. Like, it's been a huge journey for my husband and I to work through this as well. You know, it, it's caused a lot of issues for our relationship as far as, you know, like I mentioned, I had kind of blamed other people and I blamed him and it was like, oh, it was just, it was very heavy for us for a long time. Um, but I, I found someone that could hear me and they could validate me and they could, you know, reparent me in a lot of ways to to be more compassionate about the situation and towards myself. Yeah, definitely. I think we could all be a little kinder to ourselves. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so how are you? How are you now? How is baby or not baby anymore? I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She's grown up girl now. <laughs> yeah. I still call my two and a half year old, my baby. So I'm clinging, I'm clinging onto that. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yes, no, I totally do as well. Um, we're we're very good. We're I think you know having just had her birthday and seeing you know on that day how I was like I was able to enjoy most of the day and most of the day was really beautiful and lovely and I still allowed myself space and time to process the the experience on that day. Like that day is a it's a reminder as sad and heartbreaking as it is like it is a reminder of the trauma that I went through and, and the loss of, of the ideal birth. And, and, but also it's a reminder of how far I've come and I can look back and see how much stronger it's made me. I can see how I've grown and how I've been able to really, um, really drop the expectations on myself as a woman that have, I've been socialized into. And, you know, that's a beautiful thing. That is a beautiful thing. And I think that that point that you just made is so important that you can look back on hard experiences in your life and not reframe it, but give a, a little different perspective and, and choose to look at it as though, well, yeah, that was me then. And that was really shit and it was unfair. And I don't like thinking about that, but look at me now, you know, I'm thinking about it and I'm okay. You know, yeah. and I think that in itself is such a big step. Mm. It is. Yeah, <sighs> it is. So, I, you know, at this stage, I feel, I feel very proud of myself for doing the work that I've done. And I feel very excited for, um, you know, the possibility of, of doing it again and maybe being a little bit kinder to myself this time. <laughs> 
Oh, I'm so glad that you decided to come and tell me your story. Thank you so much for creating the platform. And um, I'm really excited to see, you know, how it all comes together. I think it's going to be really, really helpful and beneficial for, for women. Thank you. I just, um, I love, uh, we were talking about before I started recording that we're both birth podcast and birth story junkies. Yes, yes, totally. (laughs) And I I feel so honored to be able to hear them first person. (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, Yeah. it's a good, it's a good job to have. It's a good gig I've created for myself. (laughs) Yes, yes. Well done. (laughs) Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. Please feel free to share your thoughts with me by leaving a comment, review, or rating on your preferred podcast platform. You can also engage with me on my business page on Instagram at lifeendlens underscore photography and on Facebook by the same name. If you know of someone who may be interested in telling their story here, or if you yourself would like to, please get in touch. I have a submission form which can be found by following the link in my bio on Instagram. Otherwise, you can Google my business name and get in touch with me via my website or email.